0: Hello, and welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. We hope you have all enjoyed a happy and restful holiday season. With the calendar finally turning to 2021, we are looking forward. And from our perspective, there are three major topics to watch in this new year that could impact the economy and the markets. The pandemic, politics, and pent-up demand. We've spent a lot of time discussing the pandemic and politics in this past year, and both of these topics will continue to dominate the narrative as we move into the first quarter. But I want to spend a few minutes today talking about the third topic, as it represents perhaps the biggest unknown right now. One of the major challenges represented by the pandemic was the sharp decline in consumer activity globally, which resulted from the lockdowns and other sweeping social restrictions put in place to help combat the spread of the virus. While the second round of these lockdowns has not been as challenging economically as the first, at least here in the United States, recent economic activity has highlighted the challenges of these forced restrictions as well as the behavioral response that has resulted from people choosing to be more cautious in their day-to-day activities. For example, U.S. retail sales were down over 1% in the month of November on widespread softness. This was a more significant decline than was anticipated and compounds an already downwardly revised decline of 0.1% in October. This back-to-back decline is reminiscent of the first wave of COVID-19, and reports of businesses being forced to shutter, particularly personal care and food services businesses like restaurants and bars, have increased, even as aid from fiscal stimulus has dried up and Congress was unable to agree on a follow-up to the CARES Act until just last week. There is one area of the economy which has experienced a sharp increase in spending in 2020, and that is the housing market. In fact, not since prior to the financial crisis of 2008 and 2009 have we experienced such a sharp spike in interest in buying homes here in the US. While at first blush, one could surmise that it was the lockdowns which forced people out of the major metropolitan areas and into secondary cities and suburbs there are likely some underlying demographic considerations which could be part of the cause as well. Household formation has been lower than historical trends over the last 10 years, and much was made of the desire of millennials to forego the traditional American dream of a white picket fence and a few kids in the yard and instead pursue a different type of lifestyle. This lifestyle supported many of the trend changes we have experienced over the last several years. Shopping has moved from shopping malls to lifestyle centers and downtown shops. Transportation is now temporary in the form of first zip cars and now Uber and Lyft. And escapes from small city condos and apartments are now accomplished easily through Airbnb. During the pandemic, a lot of these options became less attractive if not unavailable altogether. Work has also changed, with many young professionals afforded the opportunity to work from home. And therefore, home could really be anywhere, with professionals no longer tethered to more expensive urban environments, allowing for greater labor mobility. Without concerns for commute and office face time, many younger couples and families decided to make the move out of the city and have created this second housing boom. This massive influx of new buyers, whether first time or those trading from core city housing to secondary market and suburban housing, drove a huge spike in existing home sales, as well as prices over the course of the last seven months. Recently, this meteoric rise in home sales has fizzled a bit, as the dual pressures of limited supply and rising prices appears to have finally impacted the market. As supply fell to 1.28 million homes in November, which equates to roughly 2.3 months of supply, prices rose by almost 15% year-over-year. Homes are selling after an average of only 21 days on the market, which is the lowest on record. And so while existing home sales fell month-over-month from October to November, they were still up almost 26% year-over-year. So that leads us to today. Well, not exactly today, but we'll say six months from today. By then, it's expected that vaccines will have been distributed to the most vulnerable populations, the elderly, individuals with pre-existing conditions which make them more susceptible to COVID-19, healthcare professionals, frontline emergency responders, essential workers, and likely educators. The dissemination to the general public will likely be wider as well, particularly if the AstraZeneca vaccine is approved in late spring, as this vaccine is reported to be easier to transport than the current Pfizer and Moderna offerings. Sweeping social and business restrictions are likely eased for the most part, although many of us may still be wearing masks and choosing to be cautious with large groups or indoor activities. With that will come the unleashing of significant pent-up demand, or so investors believe. Retail businesses, restaurants and bars, airlines and hotels, if they have survived, they are expected to thrive in this new post-pandemic world. Spending will go back to the way it was in late 2019, but will be even stronger because the American consumer is tired of staying home and they have saved money to allow them to do more than they were able to do last year. But not everyone will be participating in the spending spree. Many businesses have closed for good, and the number of people still unemployed is over 5 million. Labor capacity was very low prior to the pandemic, and as a result, there were a lot of individuals who were able to pick up a second job or a gig economy job to supplement their income and provide additional discretionary spending funds. Many of these opportunities no longer exist. It is unclear how strong the appetite in Washington will be for further fiscal stimulus, but there remains a part of the U.S. population which still needs assistance to get back on their feet. Even if one looks at the data that shows the aggregate consumer spending is on its way back to its pre-pandemic level, the spending American consumers are doing is different. According to data compiled by the Brookings Institute, the spending in areas such as financial services, at-home food, housing, and consumer durables all increased last year. Slower to recover will be education and communication spending, as well as clothing and footwear. But it's the pace of the recovery in areas like recreation and food service, as well as accommodation, that remain very much unknown. With household formation back on the front burner, will people want to stay closer to home? Will home improvement projects and road tripping take the place of flying to tropical destinations? Will Americans be less likely to travel internationally based on fears of lingering pandemic effects? There is also the expected increase in health spending. Many people put off both elective and cosmetic procedures this year based on their unwillingness to visit healthcare facilities or the decision by those facilities to limit intake based on their COVID-19 response. Health spending should increase significantly from its current level, and in our view, is probably the most assured as far as a return to pre-pandemic spend. So while we do expect the unlock of pent-up demand in the second half of 2021, we are not as sure that the spending will occur in the same parts of the economy that fueled the consumer boom in the last couple of years. As such, we are cautious about diving headfirst into areas like airlines and hotels, and instead are choosing to invest based on our belief in a global economic recovery driven by a broad upswing in both consumer and manufacturing activity. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and the year ahead in 2021 by visiting bostonprivate.com. If you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're there. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you again next week.
1: The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.